A night of tranquility at the great house, and those who live within sleep peacefully in their beds, unaware of the trials and tribulations to come. For soon, they will encounter an ancient force called up from the depths of hell itself. A force intent on unleashing terror at Collinwood. my friend, where you tread, for I warn you now, there are spoilers ahead. Welcome. Just a few news bites before we dive into today's show. I'm really excited to see that Dark Shadows and Beyond, the Jonathan Frid story, has won several awards, including the NDI Film Award for Best Documentary Feature. So congratulations to Mary O'Leary there. Make sure you check out the documentary if you haven't seen it yet. It is fantastic. Oh, and by the way, I want to thank Ricardo Delgado for sending me his beautiful book, Dracula of Transylvania. Oh my goodness, this is incredible. It's written and illustrated by Ricardo Delgado with a forward by Donald F. Glute. So uh, two noted Dark Shadows fans, I might add. So uh, Ricardo wrote and illustrated Dracula of Transylvania, which is a modern retelling of an ancient classic. Dracula of Transylvania is a fresh, bold retelling of the classic stoker dark fairy tale with the pace of the modern thriller, a gripping new novel lavished with incredible art from one of Hollywood's leading conceptual designers. Ricardo, I want to thank you for sending this book to me. It is just absolutely gorgeous. Folks, check it out. You can find it on Amazon by Clover Press. I am just really blown away by how beautiful this book is. It's really great. So thank you so much, Ricardo, for sending this my way. I am honored and delighted to have this. Also, Ansel Farage's The Dr. Mabusa Trilogy is now available. It's on Amazon. I am looking at it right now. And as I am speaking, I am adding it to my cart, proceeding to checkout, and I am placing my order. I am looking forward to getting that. And last but not least, if you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe, be sure to rate, be sure to review, and be sure to share with your friends. You spread the word, spread it like the dream curse, through sight and sound and faceless terror at Collinwood. I am your horror hostess. Penny Dreadful, a.k.a. Danielle, and I am joined by my good friend, Ricardo Ribello. Rick is a filmmaker, professor of communications, actor, and podcaster. He's the co-host of the Geek Dad podcast, former director of the Rhode Island International Horror Film Festival, and creator of the documentary, Elizabeth, A Victorian Nightmare, about Lizzie Borden, our, our local uh, homegirl here. Uh, and that I think that airs on Rhode Island PBS every year, uh, around Halloween. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's a longtime uh, friend and a uh, big fan of horror and dark shadows. And I, I'm so excited that we can finally do this because we've been we've talked for many years about all of this stuff. 
So it's it's kind of fun to do it in podcast form today. So welcome, Rick. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. I've listened to all of the episodes of Terror at Collinwood, oh. and I'm I'm humbled. Uh, to be a part of it because you've had some absolutely phenomenal, amazing guests on this show, and I'm so glad to be a part of it. Ah, uh, thanks, Rick. Well, it's it's an honor having you here, and uh, I'm really excited that we're we're going to get to talk uh, about all of this stuff. We usually do like on a regular basis, anyway. So I feel like we're just it's just going to be us like hanging out and geeking out about this stuff. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. yeah. We love talking about spooky things, indeed. So tell us, you know, tell the our audience here about what got you into horror and what got you into Dark Shadows as well? Uh, Both things sort of dovetail together. I was born in the early 1970s, uh, a little bit after Dark Shadows live run. And Dark Shadows was one of those things that was always part of the horror ether. You know, it was always there in magazines and print and at like you in reruns, you know, the, the rerun series that you watched or the rerun series that I watched was the stuff coming from Cape Cod, mm-hmm. uh, the stuff on PBS, Channel 56, Channel 38. We both grew up watching Dialing for Dollars <laughs> yeah. in Massachusetts and Dialing for Dollars would play Hammer films every day at three o'clock. So, you know, Hammer played a huge role initially in my love of horror. Certainly in the late, mid to late 70s, the slasher genre, John Carpenter, mostly John Carpenter's films. Mm-hmm. And also growing up with, you know, Stephen King, you know, growing up uh, reading those books because my, once again, our ages coincide with those things all coming out initially. And I've I've always been attracted to to horror and spooky things and dark things and certainly growing up in Fall River with you know one of the most notorious uh, alleged hatchet murderers in history. <laughs> I, I, my the first house my parents bought when we moved to the U.S. was on Third Street, which was one street over from Lizzie Borden Street. Mm-hmm. So even as a child, like Lizzie, Lizzie Borden was one street over, the house was one street over. So it was always horror was always in the air. Did so, you watch uh, did you watch the the Elizabeth Montgomery Lizzie oh, yeah. Borden movie oh, when yeah. you were a kid? Yeah. yeah. It was so cool to see, you know watching that and knowing that that's like that's right next that I mean yeah. cool but creepy too, you know that that's right next door. She was she was a good Lizzie Borden too. I she thought. really was, you know. Yeah. And the other thing, you know, in the 70s 70s had like this embarrassment of riches when it came to made for TV horror films. Yeah. And that was just one of one of the many, you know, when you think of like, oh, obviously yeah. Salem's Lot, which is to this day, arguably the greatest made for TV horror miniseries ever. I Sure. Think. Oh, it was so good. Oh, and then uh, Kolchak, you know, the Night Stalker. Yeah, Kolchak, the Night Stalker. Yeah. yeah, sure. Happy That's anniversary awesome. to Kolchak, the Night Stalker. They're going into their 50th anniversary. That's now. right. Yeah. And there's a there's a Kickstarter for a graphic novel that's coming yeah. out in Moonstone. I believe it's uh, James Aquilone is running that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he I, 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 I've already given them my money. <laughs> and I already had given them my money for their previous uh, Kickstarters. <laughs> I feel like I've, we're, we're kind of close to the same age. And where are the 70s monster kids? Where are the kids that experienced the 70s monster craze? We missed the 60s monster craze just by that much. But we got like the, the remnants of it. And then that fed into the 70s monster craze. I call that like the aftershock because 60s was the, the shock theater package, right? So we got kind of like the aftershock uh, of that in the 70s. And there was a ton of like monster stuff in the 70s too 
I think our generation is the last kind of generation that experienced reruns as the primary mode of television uh, in the afternoon. Like when you'd get home from school, you know, they were airing these uh, affiliates were airing reruns of, uh, you know, stuff like Bewitched and Gilligan's Island and the Brady Bunch and F Troop and Greek. All of this stuff was like the monkeys. I love the monkeys. I grew up watching that stuff as and even when I was a little kid, like I was like, I didn't really make much of a distinction between this is an older TV show and this is a new TV. This is what's on TV. Exactly. That was what was on. Black and white, lost in space. Sure. I'll watch that. That's awesome. You know, there's a robot and Dr. Smith. Of course, I'm going to watch that, you know. You know, for us, Dark Shadows was just a very organic extension of that because it was a long. And then for us being horror kids, Mm-hmm. You know, when you start seeing vampires and werewolves and all of these things right away, that, that goes right to that part of our brain where we're like, oh, I, this is where I need to be. Yeah. And in that period of time. Definitely. And and you I mean, being a horror fan and, and like myself, too, you know, we were already seeing, uh, you know, we caught like the at tail end of famous monsters of film land, the Aurora yep. kits and stuff like that. So my you know, my uncle was a 60s monster yep. kid, you know, so he passed that stuff to me, like those famous monsters. And I remember the one with the Basil Gogo's Barnabas yep. cover. He gave me that one and and the bubble gum cards and stuff. So all the pop cultural ephemera that surrounded Dark Shadows added to the mystique of it even before I got to see it. See, my my uncle Valdemar's were David Mello and Dan at the library. Yeah, David Mello. Because <laughs> Dave Mello gave me his collection of Aurora monsters. Yeah. And I, I would, I'm, I'm thinking 1986. And Dan uh, would sell me the used copies of Fangoria and Gore Zone and everything else that was left over at the library before they threw it out, before they binned it. So I would buy stacks and stacks of Fangoria and Famous Monsters and uh, Starlog and all of those things, you know, and there's nothing better than being a Catholic school kid and the nun walks by and you have a copy of Fangoria <laughs> up at your desk. And you know, like she's just absolutely mortified. God bless Sister Mary Lords, wherever she is, you know. <laughs> But But that was also the fun of being that kind of kid, you know. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, we're both Portuguese. You know, we both our our parents were are from. You were born in Portugal, right? Yes, I was. Yeah, yeah. So you came here when you were like a little kid, right? And my parents came. I was first generation here, but my parents came here. Do you think there's any kind of like anything that resonates with regard to like dark shadows or just horror in general? You know, I I think with us, it's because we're only one generation separated from folklore. Yeah, yeah. you know, our, our background in, uh, you know, with being around people like I remember, you know, my grandmother very much believed that there was such thing as curses yeah, and, witches and yeah. things like that. You know, so we're not we're not far from that, you know, mm-hmm. it, whereas the average person in the United States, you know, that kind of goes back to like the 1800s or seven. But for us, it's like our grandparents believed in this, you know, supernatural oh, stuff very much. Big time. Yeah. You know? And it comes up. And I remember being, you know, they'd always say, oh, as ilhas são encantadas. you know, the, the <laughs> islands, the Azores are enchanted, you know, right. there's there's this whole belief, you know, that that it might have been part of Atlantis and then yep. all out of the ghost stories and bruxes for sure, yep. which, which yep. stuff. Of, you know, witchcraft is like a big, even especially in the continent too, the continental. Very much. Yeah. Definitely. But that, I, I think that's what kind of ties us into characters like Angelique. 
Yeah. Because like, you know, we we grew up with people talking about people like Angelique, like they, they knew this woman was like her, you know, like a brucia, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Oh, I sure. remember, you know, my grandmother would like uh, bury things like she'd get certain saints and bury them outside in the yard. <laughs> or they have to go someplace and bury them somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Or she thought that someone put a curse on our foot. So for us, we watched Dark Shadows. It's like we, we're not that distant from people thinking in yeah. those terms. You know what I mean? Totally. My grandmother uh, would watch it with me, you know, because I'd watch it usually with my Uncle Val, but also my cousin Karen. And we'd be watching. My grandmother would be sitting there watching it with us because she watched it in the 60s, too, even though she's, she didn't speak English. But she kind of yeah. got the gist. But she wouldn't even she couldn't even look at the screen when Barnabas would show yeah. his fangs. Oh, yeah. ah, <laughs> you know, she'd, she'd hide. She'd hide her eyes. And right, then Angelique, right. too, the same thing. Oh, Krishka, Brusha. <laughs> you know, like, you know, it's like just really should get very upset. She, yeah, yep. she could not look at the screen when Barnabas would show his fangs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that that goes. I, I, I'm sad that I was introduced to Coffin Joe late. Later on in my life, because when you yeah. want, if, if 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 you're a Dark Shadows fan, if you get a chance, you definitely got to look for the Coffin Joe films by uh, Jose Mojica Martins. Yeah, and uh, you know that. Yeah. What I love, what I love about uh, Coffin Joe is that whole idea of like he's evil because he's eating meat on Friday. Oh, I love that so much. <laughs> I love that so much. That is so Portuguese. I know it's Brazilian, but it's quite yeah. close enough, you know. It's, he's eating that leg of lamb and there's a procession outside his window. It's so evil. gives yeah. him a benediction. <laughs> yes. And he's like relishing it. He's enjoying it so much. Eating that meat on Friday. And uh, for those, you, you definitely, I've mentioned before my friend um, Raymond Castile, who yes. does Raymond Castile's Basement of Horror, he had the opportunity to play Coffin yeah. Joe, the young Coffin Joe, an embodiment of evil. And he's done some really fun fan films as well. The Blind Date of Coffin Joe and, and stuff that's all on YouTube. So. He's like the doppelganger of Coffin oh, Joe. It's God. crazy. It's yeah. amazing. If you ever see him in person dressed as Coffin Joe, I have a great picture of him pretending yeah. to battle Guru where he's holding the <laughs> chair. Yeah. Oh, he just, I mean, it's just uncanny. It's yeah. just uncanny. Uh, but um, anyway, yeah. So, so we like horror. <laughs> we do. Yes, <laughs> we do indeed. So let's, one of the things we were going to do today is we, we've talked before off mic about the different remakes and reboots of Dark Shadows. And uh, Rick came up with the idea of ranking these different versions because there've been various attempts. And so we're, we're going to be looking at, usually these retellings are uh, with the Barnabas storyline. Barnabas being right. released from the coffin is usually the basis for, for each of these. And there are four that we're going to look at and we're going to rank them. And they are House of Dark Shadows, the 1991 revival series from NBC, um, the 2004 unaired WB pilot and the 2012 Tim Burton film. Now, I think this isn't going to be very difficult to do, but there are some surprising <laughs> things that I, in, in upon contemplation, I was like, you know, there, there's, there's some of these, uh, there were a couple that were actually kind of tough, believe it or not, to, to rank. So uh, we're just going to start 
at number four and I guess work our way up to, to number one. Uh, does that sound good to you, Rick? Sounds good to me. <laughs> awesome. All right. Just throw, what's your number four? What's your least favorite of the four? I'll be honest with you. It's, it's actually tough for me. I, I, mm-hmm. I have, to me, it's close between the Tim Burton movie and 2004. Me too. I had the uh, same. That's what I meant when I was like, oh, huh, this is actually more difficult than I thought. It's, yeah, no, it's, it's close. Yeah. It really is. They both um, have their pros and cons. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I will say to my death that the Tim Burton movie has the right cast, but the wrong tone. Yes. You know, I, I, I think that if a filmmaker wanted to do a very serious version of modern version of Dark Shadows, they would be hard pressed to get a better cast than the one Tim Burton had, mm-hmm. which shows that sometimes it's the execution, uh, not just the setup, you know, because I really think like I feel that Michelle Pfeiffer of all the Elizabeth Collins Stoddard's outside of the great untouchable Elizabeth Collins started that she has this gravitas and she can really pull off being the dominant matriarch. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that she has that ability and she has it in the film. Uh, I think that Helena Bodden Carter is about as weird and quirky as you need to be, uh, <laughs> you know, to play the doctor. I think if Johnny Depp had taken it seriously and not put on so much pancake makeup, you know, he could have played, uh, Barnabas with a lot more depth, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot. And even Johnny Lee Miller, Miller you know, I, I talked to you about Johnny Lee Miller and uh, the Benedict Cumberbatch Frankenstein mm-hmm. on stage in England being one of my favorite horror things of the modern time. And I, I stick to that as well. So not bad. I mean, not a bad cast, it's just bad execution. Yeah. Whereas 2004, it just it stinks of being a low budget UHF cable show, you know, I mean, they got lucky that they somehow casted uh, Jessica Chastain, but even then they have her playing. Um, Car- she was Carolyn. Carolyn. Yeah. 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 Uh, and it doesn't look like her at all either. It's, it's yeah. kind of strange, but I feel like that cast with Blair Brown, uh, it's, it was definitely the weakest of all of them. Mm-hmm. And you and I have talked about how Alec Newman is good, but he looked kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good actor. You know, he's a good actor, but I felt for Barnabas, it was an odd choice for Barnabas. Like he's excellent in those big finish audios. He's David Collins, the grown up David. He's actually really good in that. And I've seen him in other things where he's really good, but I just felt it was an odd and they made him look strange too. Yeah. Yeah. He he was wearing some sort of wig or something that wasn't. (laughs) It just, his head didn't look right. It just yeah. looked weird. He needed the bangs. He needed the pointy bangs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, not for nothing, but there's something to that, you know? There is. That's something the Johnny Depp version, uh, the Burton version, I think that that's part of what Barnabas looks like, you know? Yeah, that's part of the eccentricity. It's like, you yeah. got to have the ring, the cane, and the weird bangs. Yep. And the cloak, the coat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so I, I just felt on that one, the tonality was there? I I can understand why when the the network looked at it, they were like, eh, mm-hmm. you know, because there wasn't anything about it that made you feel as if it was going to be a really breakout hit. Now I think they picked Newman because he had just came off of Dune on the Sci Fi Channel, mm-hmm. and Dune had been pretty successful, so they're probably trying to capitalize off that, but. Obviously, that didn't work. So, all right. What are your opinions on those, though? Okay. So, uh, which one is your four? Then is it is it Burton Depp or is it or is it two thousand four pilot? You know, I'd have to say if, if I had to, if you said to me I, I had to sit down and watch one right now, I would rather watch probably the Tim Burton one than the two thousand four, okay. just because even though I hate it, I wouldn't be bored. Yeah. So the two thousand four you know? is your least favorite. Okay. Probably. Yeah. 
You know, um, I have very similar thoughts to yours. I echo everything you said, because the Tim Burton movie, my big problem with the Tim Burton movie is like yours is the tone. Um, And for such a big film for that had a lot of anticipation going into it, not only from Dark Shadows fans, but just from horror fans, pop culture fans, Tim Burton fans. And of course, we know Tim Burton's very quirky and stuff, but he kept saying he was a fan of the original show. Johnny Depp kept saying he was a fan. And we had Sleepy Hollow, which had a lot of hammer kind of vibe going on in it. And I think a lot of people were hoping for something that was that was closer to Sleepy Hollow. And what we ended up with was a fish out of water comedy with a lot of really bad sex jokes in it. Like with the funny thing now is like when I look back and I realize it's like look back and really look at Tim Burton's resume. It's like Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. Well, you'll go all the way back to Vincent and and um, uh, Frank and uh, Weenie. Weenie, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Frank and Weenie, Vincent, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Beetlejuice. Then you get Batman. Edward Scissorhands. Edward Scissor Hands. It's like uh, a lot of Edward, yeah. you know, they were all comedies. It's true. Yeah. Mars so Attacks. In a way, it's like yeah. when you look back, you're like, oh, we should have seen it coming. Yeah, it's true. You're right. And I, and I always say I wish Guillermo del Toro had been the one to do oh, God, it yeah. because he would have gotten it. I think Guillermo del Toro would have nailed it. Honestly, he is a massive fan of gothic horror. Like yes. he grew up reading all those novels and watching those films. I think he would have poured that into it. So, but that said, the the cast, like you said, for that for the Burton film was a really great cast. Yep. The visuals were excellent. And I had Stuart Manning on here recently, and he was talking about how he can see how that was Tim Burton felt that that was an homage to the show because Tim Burton looks at things from a very visual perspective. He doesn't really care about story as much as he does about visuals. If you look at the visuals in that film, it's it does that house looks like Collinwood. It looks like he made it look like Seaview Terrace. They built right something that looks like that. And the interiors were very, you know, very ornate and I mean, a bit over the top, but kind of cool to look. It must've spent a fortune on that. Depp looked amazing. I mean, the outside of the clownish over the top makeup, like he actually, and the nails, the the Nosferatu nails, I think they went overboard with that, but he did have the the whole look of Barnabas. I mean, out of all the versions of Barnabas for these reboots, he's the one that actually kind of got the look down. And, I even um, like the, uh, he did this great touch when he's outside where he's wearing the Tumalaijia sunglasses that Vincent Yeah, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. They put that nod like, in there. And he does do a pretty good impression of Frid's voice. Like he tries to capture the cadence of Jonathan Frid, but yeah. the problem is that the tone is so ridiculous. Yeah. So it's too... The, you know, I don't want to see Julia going down on Barnabas and stuff like, like, what, like, what, no. what's, how is that Dark Shadows? Like, that's, that's something else they could have but, called. But I, but, but I think that, you know, all of the things we're going to talk about today were all kind of off a little bit on the tone. And I think yeah. that's why Yeah, I, I was thinking earlier today that we should be calling this episode failure to launch. You failure to launch. <laughs> they, they, they were all attempts, you know, to yeah. launch the French, relaunch the franchise. And they all, for better or for worse, kind of crashed against the wall, mm-hmm. you know, but and I think all of it has a lot of it has to do with the tonality of all of it. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, but 
I I think I think I'm gonna go uh, with the 2004 pilot as my least favorite. Yeah. Believe it or not, like yeah. because I felt although that one the tone at least they were going for a more horror tone yeah. in it. That it was a mess because of and and I I I feel like that you know at least they were going for the correct tone to it creepy although it, it lacks some of that otherworldly quality that the original show had that gothic otherworld but there were a lot of factors at play there Dan Curtis wanted to do a serious gothic horror show WB wanted something that was more like Buffy the Vampire Slayer where there was more humor in it more young hip people in it mm-hmm. the director, the original director, Rob Bowman, left the project early on to make a movie. And he was replaced by this other director, PJ Hogan, who had no idea what Dark Shadows was, didn't care. He didn't get didn't get it. Yeah. You know, and I'm just right now, I was going to pick the Burton film as my least favorite, honestly. But now that I think about it after like thinking about it, I might ask me tomorrow and my answer might be different. (laughs) You know, same here, same here. Yeah. But today it's going to be, it's going to be the 2004 pilot. I thought it was miscast. I thought Blair Brown, she was not very good. I thought Alec Newman was miscast. I thought it was too, they were, they went too much for the young, hot actors, you know, and it was, and no, it's like Dark Shadows has these like, eccentric people, you know? Exactly. I was going to say that, you know, the strengths of Dark Shadows is that it had so much character, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And their faces had character and their their styles had character. Like you had all these people who were very different and very contrasty. Yeah. You know what I mean? You had these young, beautiful women. You had these older women. You had, for for one thing, I I think one of the major things that, that attracts people to Dark Shadows was that it was one of the, early TV shows that was very female forward. Yes. You had a very strong female running the family, right? In Elizabeth. And you had Carol, you had all these women. They were all very strong and they were all very different types of women and very different women. You know, it wasn't like everybody was a model. You had beautiful women, you had older women, you had cranky women, and everybody had these amazing faces that were some of them gaunt, some of them scary, some of them aged, you know, and the same thing with uh, the men, you know, Jonathan Frid would not be considered, you know, traditionally handsome, certainly not in this period of time that we live in right now. Mm-hmm. You know, nowadays, if you were if you were cast, well, look at the Burton film, when you're casting even the older male characters, you still feel obligated to cast these like handsome men when they're supposed mm-hmm. to be somebody with a little bit more gravitas. So like someone like Roger, like Roger's a perfect example. And Lou Edmonds, like, you can't, the problem with the original cast was like, you can't beat them. You yeah. can't beat Lou Edmonds as Roger Collins. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Even though I love in, in, in the 91 series. Yeah, Roy Thinnes, have, yeah. I love Roy Thinnes. Oh, he's you know? great. And the Invaders and stuff. Yeah, he was, yeah. he was great. Yeah, but he's Invaders not. one of the greatest sci-fi shows ever. Mm-hmm. You know, and Roy Finnis is phenomenal, but you can't, you just can't beat Lou Edmonds as, as, as Roger. Collins. It's true. It, it's, right. it's, it almost does a disservice to even try sometimes. And I, yeah. I, and I think that's one of the other things that hurt these remakes is the fact that they're remakes is that you're yeah. trying to outdo something that in many people's minds was perfect the way it was. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like, you know, some young painter saying, oh, I'm going to paint my version of the Mona Lisa. And you're like, well, I, I get that's an old painting, but it's 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 yeah. the Mona Lisa still. And I think that speaks to just remakes in general. Like it's yeah. often nine out of 10 times. It's like, why did you do this? Every once in a right. while you get a remake that's OK. This was good, you know, yeah. but 
I don't know. I, it's rare. Like I've rarely seen remakes where I'm like, wow, this beats the original or this is stands apart from the original. It just seems like it's trying to cash in on it or. or... And that's why, you know, as much as he was lambasted in the 80s when Gene Roddenberry decided to go in a completely different direction with Star Trek and bring yep. in a new cast. Yep. And as much as that cast was lambasted and hated when it first started, they were right. That was yeah. the right choice. Mm hmm. You know what yeah, I mean? It was. When you look at what's happening in Star Wars now, where their TV shows are so much better than anything that they've done since the original series. Mm -hmm. It's because the TV shows are in a completely different direction. And and I know there's a hot, this is a hot, hot, hot debate about Star Shadows people about, no, we have to redo that story versus let's do something else. It is. Yeah, there is a big discussion about that where it's like you can't do Dark Shadows without those characters. And right. I would argue you shouldn't do Dark Shadows without referencing those characters, um, or without exactly. especially without Barnabas. Like, yeah. But Star Trek The Next Generation did bring, I mean, I know it's not the same thing, but they did start bringing in right off the first oh, yeah. pilot episode. Yeah, the first, yeah, they had Dr. Dr. McCoy, McCoy, yeah. Yeah, so they they started seeding that in, and it exists in the same universe. Um, but I can see how it's like, well, it's sad to have a story of the future where the characters you like are dead or not present. So, and it's tough to recast somebody like Jonathan Frid at yeah, you, the Barnabas role. Like, how are you going to do that? I think right. you have to get an unknown actor. Like mm -hmm. Depp is to Johnny. No matter what character Johnny Depp plays. He's playing Johnny he's, Depp. He's Johnny Depp. He's yeah. too, he's so famous that it's like you're watching Johnny Depp do cosplay as Barnabas, kind of, you know? Um, and, and, the, and the movie just, I don't know, now I'm kind of leaning back to like the, the Burton <laughs> movie is my number four because it's just yeah, such yeah. bad jokes and the, the oh, thing God, with yeah. the birthing hips and and just, it just wasn't, I don't know. I, I just, there was such potential with that movie. And I remember just feeling sad. I went to the midnight yeah. screening, the premiere, and I was, I did too. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, what, what just happened here? Um, so yeah, this, you know, those <laughs> felt, two are neck and neck, you know, for the, I'm sure, I'm sure you felt the same way I did. I felt like I was mugged. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like something yeah. I loved was just stolen from me. It, totally. I just felt like this sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach because it, it started out pretty good. I was like, yep. okay, yeah, this is pretty cool. And then it just jumped right off Widow's Hill with Josette. Like it was like, oh no, what's going on here? The Mephistopheles, McDonald's jokes, the jokes just weren't funny. The one joke, I did laugh at one thing. Uh, it was like when Barnabas is with the hippies in the woods and he says, love means never having to say you're oh, sorry. And I regret that I must now kill all of you. <laughs> it's like, it was so polite. And then he kills Then You just hear a scream. Like, yeah. it's like, okay, that, that was kind of, that was messed up, but I have a dark sense yeah. of humor anyway, but, um, but yeah. So, okay. So what's your next then? Then I guess those two, we, we kind of did those, those two, the, the 2004. Right. And well, uh, so that's four and three. So two yeah. would be 91. And just like the other ones, I feel not 91, I think to be came very close to what it should be. And I think 91 also had the most Dan Curtis influence in it yeah. outside of the original show. My problem with 90 with 91 is it's so Northern California. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it drives me crazy. You know, it, it, it looks like Northern California. It feels like Northern California. You know, when I, when I did my, my documentary about Lizzie Borden, one of the main things that I was going into was trying to figure out why people are attracted to the story of Lizzie Borden. 
And I found that a lot of it was just that attachment to Victorian horror, mm-hmm. that attachment to that time period, that attachment to that look and that style. And I think Dark Shadows also has that same attachment. I think people want to play in that playground. And when you take that playground away, it takes the fun away. Because if you take the vampires and the werewolves and you stick them in Northern California, it's not as fun. It's like what I want if there's a new show, and I've talked to you extensively about this, is I want something that's very Yankee colonial. Yes. Yep. It needs to feel like New England. You know, yes. that's why to me, the the ultimate director of Dark Shadows, if, if I had to hire somebody today, would be Mike Flanagan, who just came off doing Midnight Mass. You know, this I summer, to, we, I got to watch that. I, I yeah. keep oh, meaning so to watch that. Yeah. Midnight Mass feels like a New England film from a, it's mm-hmm. a New England filmmaker. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When I go into the Blue Whale, I want to feel like I can smell fish and chips and Narragansett beer. You know what I mean? I I want that feeling. And I think that people want that feeling, too, because I think that's part of the attraction Mm -hmm. is like they've never really given us a feel of what Maine was like. Yeah. In the 1700s, 1800s, 1900s, 2000s. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, my wife and I just went there for uh, Halloween actually spent Halloween on the coast in Maine. And it was like the Dark Shadows experience. Yeah. Because we were right next to a lighthouse that was on a giant stone. Were you in Bar you know, Harbor? Uh, no, we were south of Bar Harbor. We were okay. right on the border. Okay. And uh, and it was, like I said, it was the Dark Shadows experience without Dark Shadows. And it's mm-hmm. like, it had the small town, the small seaside town and everything. And it's such a rich artistic base to work from to not use it is such an injustice to dark shadows because i really feel that you have three really immortal characters in dark shadows you have barnabas you have angelique and you have the house okay okay i think that the house should be the real centerpiece and the land should be the centerpiece because i always Mm -hmm. felt that remember you've talked about dark shadows about collinsport being a hell mouth Mm -hmm. right you know, what if the land, the, the evil comes from the land? What if yes. it was something that goes way back to, you know, something colonials did to Native Americans when they first landed here, you know? Or even before that, even the Native Americans feared right. that land. Like we live near the Bridgewater Triangle, which is, yes. you know, if you, for those who don't know, it's, you know, this, I guess like the, the Skinwalker Ranch, I guess, of, of New England. It's like yes. any kind of paranormal thing you can imagine exists supposedly in the Bridgewater Triangle. And there's a swamp there called Hulkamook Swamp, which is translates to, uh, wasn't it like the Devil's yes. Devil's oh, Swamp yeah. or something like that? Like even the Native Americans feared yeah. that area, like there was something wrong or that like we were saying, Stephen King, the the uh, in Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery, the, yeah. And, the, and the, ground the, the, the area, yeah. the story of, of the triangle in Hockamock Swamp leads to Prince Philip's War, uh, where America, where colonialists had betrayed Native Americans. Yes. And they were massacred at a rock out there and that they cursed that land, which is a very Dark Shadows premise, isn't totally. it? Totally. Oh, absolutely. You know I mean? Absolutely. There's so much that could be done with that. My friend right. Eric Marshall, who was on here, like he also suggested like the the wood that was used to build Colin Wood itself exactly, yeah. is cursed, yeah. like it's exactly. enchanted, like there's yeah. something wrong or there's something mystical or yeah. dark about that. I totally agree. And you get that with when you look at a New England forest. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get that vibe for sure. Oh, totally. Yeah. And that's why I feel, you know, getting back to 91. Mm-hmm. And I know why they did it, because it's reasons of economy and, you know, where they want to shoot and everything else. But. When you look at this summer, we were blessed with three 
great vampire stories, one being Chapelweight yes. on Epics, one being American Horror Story with Blood Tide, and the other one being Midnight Mass. And they were all set in New England and had a very New England colonial look. Chapelweight especially, when I think of what uh, Collinsport's supposed to look like in the 1800s, that show, go look at that show and that's what it's supposed to look like. Yeah, you were you were definitely you you called me right away and you were like, you have to watch this. You have yeah. this is what should be what Dark Shadows looks like when they do right. like a flash. And it it does because they have these overhead shots, you know, of mm-hmm. just the th- thick pine trees yeah. and the just the the somber mood of the gray skies. The desolation, yeah. Yeah, there's something uh, otherworldly about that. And these look. these old like chipped colonial houses that are very worn and mm-hmm. you know what I mean? They're by the water and they got the the old fashioned and shingles, you know, cedar shakes that are rotting out and things like that. Those are the things that I think would add so much to Dark Shadows. See, for those of us that grew up in New England, we fill in the blanks. Because when we think about Maine and, and think we in our brains, we fill in the blanks because we live in those places. Yeah. But I think other people would be fascinated by it. You know, yeah. and I, I think it would embellish it. So 91, 91 also phenomenal cast. All right. Ben Cross. Not perfect, but boy, I tell you, Ben Cross is as good as close to as good as you're going to get with yes. Jonathan Frid gone. And um, Gene Simmons, not, not so much. You know what I mean? She's good, though, but she does have a lot of gravitas. But Barbara Steele. I mean, oh we, my God, I was so excited that they cast Barbara Steele as Dr. Hoffman. You can't, you can't do better than Barbara Steele. It's Hoffman. like, it's like, look, I love Grayson Hall, yeah. but I also love Barbara Steele because she's yeah. a horror legend. You know, that's like casting Vincent Price. Monitor at a picture of her right now. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. Right. I mean, it's like, it's like. If they had cast, like they were like, oh, uh, you know, uh, Peter Cushing is playing Professor Stokes. You know, it's just yeah, exactly, like, yeah. It's like, wow, that's awesome that they yeah. that Barbara Steele is. Julia, <laughs> you know, I know a lot of people didn't like her because she was very cold, but I she was great. I thought yeah. she was great, you know. And I love Grayson Hall too. Don't get yeah. me wrong, but that's I, such a I would have almost have choice to have seen Barbara Steele as Elizabeth. Oh, that would have been great, too. That would have been yeah. tremendous. Yeah. That would have been tremendous. Um, uh, Joanna Going was great as uh, Victoria. Yeah, she, she was. So, she, was she was beautiful to the point of being distracting. <laughs> like she was that be- like like you would you would I would just be like staring at her and forgetting what was happening. Um, and I thought Lizza Anthony was it was a good idea uh, mm-hmm. for Angelique. You know, like I said, it's not a bad cast. Mm-hmm. You know, I know they attribute a lot to all oh, the war started. Yeah, the Gulf War. Out. Yeah, I think they make too much of that. I just don't think that a horror show on primetime at that time, knowing what was popular at primetime, like, like you can't go from watching Cheers to Dark Shadows. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? The Cosby show to Dark Shadows. Right. I, I think it was the wrong place on the dial and the wrong time. But yeah, no, I definitely, that's that's definitely my number two. So. Okay. Same here. Uh, I picked the 91 series as my second. I really liked the 91 series a lot. And like you said, it was the most Dan Curtis, Dan Curtis helmed that, you know, and he brought in Sam Hall to write it from the original show and Sam's son, Matthew Hall, Grayson Hall's husband, Sam Hall. He had Bob Colbert doing the music again. And a lot of the themes are from the original show. It's Robert Colbert. Like it had, it was Gothic, unlike like the WB pilot was 
horror, but I don't know if it was as I did like, I will say this, I will, I'm going to throw this out there too. One thing I did like about the 2004 pilot was that things like Victoria's cell phone doesn't work in Collinsport. Like yeah. cell, there's no cell service. Like the cell service doesn't reach there. That's, that is the correct choice to do. Yeah. And Mark, Mark B. Perry, when he was on here, he had a very similar idea for what he wants to do with reincarnation. There's self service doesn't work in mm-hmm. the Collins estate. Like it just it can't, some reason the signal doesn't reach there. That is the correct, that is an element I would say of Gothic horror, like your that isolation, that feeling of right. isolation. They got that right. But the 91 series, Curtis, you know, he had the fog going all the time. Yeah. He had the this sort of grandiose quality to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he brought in great actors, like you said, uh, having Ben Cross as Barnabas was good. I liked Gene Simmons as Elizabeth. She didn't have the same gravitas as Joan Bennett. Yeah. But Joan who, Bennett, can, who can, though? I, mean, I know. I know. Joan Bennett's like this. <laughs> When I watch the show and you look at her, first off, I'm always amazed at how beautiful she is mm-hmm. at her age with no work. That Absolutely. is just beautiful. her face yeah. and makeup. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. To, to maintain that beauty. And she has a poise to her yeah. and a bearing to her mm-hmm. that is so like, I am the matriarch. I am yeah. in charge of this posse. Yes. And she's just. What are you, you going to do? It's you know tough to I mean? match that. It's yeah. I like I like Gene I like Gene Simmons, but yeah. not not as much as Joan Bennett. I like Ben Cross. Um, I thought Jim Fife was too comedic as well. Yeah, Willie. Man, oh, yeah, yeah. I thought it, so too. a little too Pee Wee Herman ish, I guess. You know, uh, it just uh, you know John you Carlin know, I, was troubled. I never understand the character Willie was troubled. You know, yeah. I like I never understand how people could watch John Carlin's performance and think Willie's like this goofy. Right. They always yeah. do that. It's like, Willie's not goofy. Like Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> you know, yeah. he had that sort of dangerous, you know, like you would believe like he was a serial killer in the 60s. You know, he had that kind of a feel to him. One of those, I've never been a fan of like the Hepcat talk, you know what I mean? Especially like oh, in early yeah. Dark Shadows. Oh, right, right. You know. Yes. Hey, like man, Buzz. I, yeah. Moving, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 John Carlin had, he could be, you know, it could some of Willie's reactions of terror right. could be humorous sometimes, like when he's dealing with Adam and stuff like that. But right. there was something crazed about Willie. Like there was something yeah. off about Willie. And you also you feel for Willie once he's humbled by the vampire and forced over to do and these over horrible again. things. Yeah. It's like, you know, he was a piece of garbage, but now he's like, now he's dealing with something horrendously dark, you know. But yeah. but Jim Fife, I thought was too goofy. a little too goofy. I know a lot of people liked him, but I I, I don't know. I was not a huge fan of his Willie. Um, I liked the mood of that show. I, I, the first, like the pilot, the first couple hours of the show were a remake of House of Dark Shadows, basically. Right. And then it goes into, uh, you know, they bring in Sarah. It's the only one that they they find, they got Sarah in there, which kind of brings in the conscience for Barnabas. They did the 1700s uh, flash back, which was good, 1790 uh, in their 91 show, I believe. So you get to see Angelique, which was cool. You get to see the Collins family of the past, but it ended so prematurely. And that was such a shame because I was was into it. Like it was a big deal that Dark Shadows was coming back. Like it had been gone for 20 years Mm -hmm. and here it is, 91, the Dark Shadows is coming back. There was a huge, but it was on the cover of, I collected, I remember all those TV listings that would come with the newspaper and with, with Dark Shadows on the cover of the, a lot of those. And uh, it was a big deal, you know, and um, unfortunately it ended 
prematurely they blamed the Gulf War. You, I think you could. I think there was a combination of things. I do think right. it was kind of a bad time slot for it too. Um, maybe it was just people weren't ready for a horror show, like you said, coming off Cheers. I don't remember what led into Dark Shadows before what the show right. that went into a. And then it was, uh, and then it was gone. And there were all these. Pro- I remember even in New Bedford here, there was like a protest in front of City Hall, and I went to that, and I'm like, why did they do it in front of? What does that have yeah, to like, do with that anything? Like, what is New Bedford City Hall? How are they going to stop NBC from NBC. taking Dark Shadows off there? I think that was organized by WBSM, actually, yeah. uh, or Fun 107, one of one of those. Which, by the way, somebody from Fun 107 wrote an article just recently, yes, like yesterday. My cousin tagged me in it about Dark Shadows. People from New Bedford loved no running home to watch Dark Shadows. Yeah, but one thing that you mentioned, there was a very much a Hollywood look to it, uh, right. and I know Dan Curtis wanted it to be glossy, you know. But I yeah. wish they had come out here to shoot it, you know, and sh- or at least some place that looked yeah. New England. But that's the thing is, like, yeah. I, I don't think those of us who love the show want glossy. Like people are always like, oh, you know, the original show looks cheap. And it's like, yeah, but there's a character to do. But I'm not saying make it look cheap. What I'm saying is like we we want like we need a little verisimilitude. Like we need to feel yeah. like this is a real place with mm-hmm. real people doing real stuff. And that's what if you can do that, it makes everything else work. Everything. It's nonsense. But if you can get me to believe that this is a real family dealing with real stuff, then I can accept the vampires, then I can accept the ghosts, then I can accept everything else. You know what I, I mean? I remember noticing Ben Cross had a tan in one of them. <laughs> what? He's a vampire. Why does he have a tan? That doesn't make any sense. It's like this Hollywood tan for He's ruggedly Cross. handsome. Yeah, ruggedly yeah handsome. yes. You know, and um, but it, it's too bad. I would have liked to have seen. Uh, the other thing, too, is Dan Curtis was doing kind of like picking all the like memorable moments from the original right, greatest hits. And yeah. we do. Yes. And redoing the those moments in the show. And there wasn't enough new stuff like to kind right. of go oh this came out of left field kind of thing like yeah. but i wish they had kept going because they were going to do quentin they were going to have yeah. adrian paul come back as quentin because he played jeremiah in the flashback they were going to have him come back and be quentin and they were going to bring angelique into the present like they were setting up stuff right. for it for the next season and it's too bad it didn't continue on from there yeah. well i, I want to make sure we get the last one in because i'm looking yes. at it we're running out of time yeah yes yeah, so let's talk about house of dark shadows um, yeah go for it what i love about house of dark shadows Shadows is it was Dark Shadows turned up to 11, where you, you got the gore and you got the violence and you got everything else. Like Barnabas's death at the end is like nuts. Oh my God. It's, it's like insane. bananas Italian <laughs> horror death. It really is. Yes. You know, but I, I, I'm a sucker for that time period, 1970 cinema. I'm a sucker mm-hmm. for how that film and cinematography looks. Uh, obviously, I'm a sucker for that whole cast. Once again, I don't like that they streamline the story so much, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I'm trying to remember if Victoria was even in it because. No, it was Maggie. Yeah, it went, it went straight to Maggie. It mm-hmm. totally bypassed anything to do with Victoria. Once again, it's like they streamline everything and they economize everything when they do this stuff. And it's like, let's just leave. I want to tell the people out there who might be making a future Dark Shadows. People today are going to be happy and excited to find lore to work with. People love an excuse to go look up canon Mm -hmm. and look up backstories. And they're going to do YouTube videos about backstories. They're going to cover that for you. All right. 
If you make a really good Dark Shadows show set in the present, a million content creators will be happy to do a Best of Barnabas Collins video on YouTube that's going to get everybody up to speed. Yeah. Right? All you have to do is allude to these people, and people who love the show will fill in the blanks. Okay? This isn't like back in the day when we, you know, 20 years ago, it was it was it was difficult to go back and get all the dark shadows tapes as you know mm-hmm. and rewatch everything but now they can just watch it on tubi if they want to watch the whole thing or go on youtube and somebody's going to make a video about the history of angelique the history of barnabas the history of willie yeah. and all of that's going to be streamlined you know which gives producers nowadays an excuse to focus on the story they want to tell you know yes I mean, look, like last week, Book of Boba Fett. I was about to say, I was about to say, bring that up. We're all the same wave, like spoilers, by the way, if you have not seen the newest episode of Book of Boba Fett, if you're into that. But last week they brought in Cad Bane from the animated series and there was 8,000 history of Cad Bane videos put out. Which I watched several of them. (laughs) Exactly. So it's like, don't worry about it. Don't waste your, your, you are wasting your time. You know, people, people want to dig for treasure. Let them dig. Mm -hmm. Right. The audience, you know, Andrew Stan, the great filmmaker said the audience wants to work for its meal. So let them work for their meal. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, the the problem, one of the problems at 91 is that they had to recap everything. So don't waste the 12 episodes you get recapping everything, Mm -hmm. you know, because you might not make it to season two. Right. Make a great season one and let the people go look for everything. They'll enjoy looking for everything because and and you and I know and Dark Shadows fans know that they're going to find some gold. Yeah. You know, if you throw in references to it, like hints like about it, like something that that happened or something. Yeah. People will, like you said, they'll make those those videos like, you know, and and uh, if it's popular, you know, uh, people are going to want to find out more about those characters and about right. concepts that come back into like they'll bring back usually bring back the leviathans what, mm-hmm. what's the leviathan who are the leviathans you know that kind of thing sure um, and i want to bring back leviathans i told you the other day i said i think the leviathans are the way to tie in everything mm-hmm. because if you could prove that there was some cult that existed in collinsport you know that was into the bad stuff long before the Collins has even arrived you know, and tie it all in. I think that works out great. Sure. You know, yeah. and you have the seeds of that already in the original series. Mm-hmm. So work with that. You know, there's so many things. It's just. Yeah, know, definitely. So uh, it's fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that. I, I, I was literally going to say the same thing. Like after I watched the book of Boba Fett, like I knew who Cad Bane was, but right. I hadn't watched like Clone Wars or Rebels or any of those cartoons, which I have to go back and watch those. But I was like, I know that character. I've seen right. that character, you know, pictures of him and stuff. So I went back and watched. And they did the same with like Ahsoka and yeah. some of those those other characters that they bring in to the to the show or uh, Chrysanthemum. The, yep. the, the, the black the, chrysanthemum the black, black the, the wookie the bad guy wookie i was like who's that you know and yeah. they're like you said all those videos about that and of course this is star wars so they're gonna get you know fifty thousand views in the first yeah. day but dark shadows might not get as many views in the first but i think you're gonna see stuff like that pop up for new versions and new iterations of dark shadows and i honestly think they're gonna keep revisiting dark shadows because it's a good story 
it's a good story. And it was, I'm going to, well, I want to get to this, but first I'll give you my number one also is House of Dark Shadows, yeah. which it was kind of like one of those things like the TV show where my uncle Val would go like, oh, they made the two movies, House and Night of Dark Shadows. And he's like, House of Dark Shadows, Barnabas was really mean in that. Wait till you see that. And he finally got a copy of it and we watched it. He was right. You know, it was, it's not only a great Dark Shadows movie, but it's very dark. It's darker it's shadows. Dark, dark. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And everybody, you're like half the, most of the characters die, you know, but it's also an excellent vampire movie. Like, I think it's, I would put it, I would say if the, you know, top 10 vampire movies, it's going to be in that list. Mm -hmm. I think house of dark shadows, you can give that movie to somebody, which I have several times. You can give that movie to somebody without having watched the TV show and they're going to watch a really good vampire movie, you know? Right. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, it has a post credit scene and everything, you know, like <laughs> with the bat, you know, yep. spoilers, spoilers, the bat, you know, so because they were hoping they, they were going to do a sequel, you know, mm -hmm. if, uh, they wanted Jonathan Fred to come back and be where he didn't want to do the sequel. So you got Night of Dark Shadows instead, which had uh, Quentin and um, Angelique and um, Kate Jackson and Tracy. But there was no Barnabas in that. But there were set. I, you know, I think that bat at the end, like indicates a Barn Barnabas. Right. Maybe the stake didn't go through the heart. Maybe it just grazed his heart. Who knows? I don't know, man. <laughs> it looked, yeah, that was pretty that was intense. that was one of the most legit impalings of all vampires. It was films. it was pretty intense. <laughs> uh, but it was it was I mean it was the cast from the original show. It was Dan right. Curtis. It was like the show coming off its uh, you know its height you know uh, of popularity. But that was what I was going to seg into is that I think sometimes it's difficult to convey to people to younger people who were not there at the time, how immensely popular Dark Shadows was when right. it was on. It was a phenomenon, for, mm -hmm. like it was a pop culture phenomenon. And kids would run home from school to watch Dark Shadows. And there was all kinds of merchandise for it. It was, Jonathan Frid was like, the, it was like a, the Beatles. He'd go on these tours and you'd see pictures of it. He was that surrounded was by mobs of people. And I think there's money to be made there uh, potentially oh, the last couple of attempts have not been uh, successful. We know mm -hmm. that, but I think there's always, uh, you know, we're fans. So we're looking at it as fans, but I think the bean counters, the advertisers, and you know, they're looking for the bottom line and dark shadows was a massive success at one point in the United States. People always hope that lightning's going to strike twice, and right. they, that's why they keep they keep going back to the well because this worked one, at one point. Yeah. Something at one point caused this to work. I don't think they can capture lightning in a bottle again and do the same thing again. That's why I like that Mark B. Perry with the Dark Shadows reincarnation is doing mm -hmm. a sequel show because like Star Trek, you can have new stories that exist in that world that fill in the book, continue the story and reference things from the past. So you can have a lot of really, really good stuff come yeah. from that potentially. Um, and Mark Perry gives me a lot of hope. You know, yeah. he, he gives me a lot of hope. And like I said earlier, even if the people are going to bristle at the beginning, we all want, like I keep saying, we want to play in that playground. Yeah. And even the most hardcore, you know, don't don't make a next generation people. If if Mark makes a great playground for them to play in, they're going to show up eventually. Yeah. You know, because we don't get a nice playground that's got vampires and, you know, Frankenstein and, and wolves and all. that. We don't get that very often. Yeah, you know? that's true. And if we get a nice one, we're going to show up, you yeah. know. 
even the naysayers, they're going to want to be there because they wanted to be there before. They're, they're all going to watch it. And even though I was complaining about the 2004 pilot, I'd wa- I would have watched that show. If, if that had but, gone hey, to series, I would have watched it. When I heard about the pilot, right, for years, I was trying to track it down because I was desperate to watch it. And even though I knew it was a failed pilot, you know, I was beside myself, like online, like, can I download it? Does somebody have it? And I would go to horror conventions. You know, horror conventions always have like bootlegs. Of oh, pilots. totally. Yeah, yeah. And I'd always be like looking for it there. And like, I didn't give a shit that somebody said, oh, it's not that great. I'm like, I don't yeah. care. Yeah, I need yeah. it. I need to see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. You know, and then, if, yeah, it took a while for that to emerge. They showed it at one of the Dark Shadows conventions. I went yeah. to I think it was the year before we went because we went to we went to one of the Dark Shadows festivals together, yeah. actually. Jonathan, um, Jonathan Frid's last one in New York, right? Yeah, that yeah. was cool. Yeah. And I had cool. I'd gone with Mag- Magoo, uh, maybe the year before or two years before, but they did show it at the one I went to with Magoo. Yeah. And that version, the one that's on YouTube mm-hmm. is altered from the one I saw because the ending of the original one, they must yeah. have, the CGI wasn't completed for that at the ending of that pilot. Yeah. And it was way more ridiculous and over the top in the really? version I saw at the festival. Yes. When oh. Angelique crashes through the windshield, she's like, ah! and then Vicky screams <laughs> and then Angelique screams and then Vicky screams. It goes back and forth to the point of absurdity, like the Burton right. film. Uh, it would have been something in, you'd see in the Burton film. Um, whereas the one on YouTube is is more toned down. So whoever was involved with putting that up mm-hmm. must have fixed that ending before uploading it, I'm, I'm guessing. Um Okay, so I want to do one more thing before we kind of end things here. So we ranked these and then we talked, I mentioned, you know, all the merchandise that came out of Dark Mm -hmm. Shadows when it was so popular and you had all this stuff. I know you interviewed at Rhode Island Comic Con, uh, Dr. Migo, was it Paul Clark? Dr. Migo. And Migo is back in a big way and they're doing all their, uh, their very successful with their horror figures. Uh, They're doing what they got the universal license. They did the unimaginable and got the hammer license, which nobody ever thought that would happen. Like they're doing hammer figures. They're doing all kinds of characters from modern horror, classic horror. And you, which I love that you did this, you on video too, (laughs) you asked him, you said, I'd love to see a whole line of dark shadows figures. And He, I think he had some connection with the Spectre toys when they yes. did those figures as well. They used the Mego tooling to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Rick Fairs, who was did, did, did the Spectre toys, was involved with MC and Diamond Select, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I think he was involved with. And Dr. Mego said, you know, he said Barnabas sold really well, but the other two, he's like, ah, Dark Shadows, I know it well. Yes. Angelina, he called it like <laughs> Angelina. <laughs> I was like, like Angelina is my wife. Yeah. My wife's <laughs> and the werewolf, you know, but yeah. I said, okay, well, so I mean, I'm hopeful that Migo yeah. will do Dark Shadows figures. They should at least do a Barnabas, but I'd love to see if they did, uh, you yeah. know, at least at least the big three. If they did Barnabas, right. Quentin, and Angelique, that would be. I mean, really how could cool. how could if you do Barnabas, how can you not have Angelique? Yeah, you got to, you got to, and they have. I assume they still have the tooling for that. I'd like to see a new sculpt though, like something new. Um, the Spectre Toys ones, I was not too happy with the brown. I don't know why they kept putting yeah. Barnabas in these brown cloaks. I'm like, put him in black. Like, like do you guys guys not watch the show? Or? 
Yeah, like what's it? Like, somebody's like off with the colors here. Is the brown cloth cheaper? Like why is Barnabas all in brown? Yeah. But that the coat should be black. Um, so what are your thoughts on like Dark Shadows merchandise, Mego figures, anything like that? What what would you like to see? Well, I mean, you know, you and I are are big toy collectors. You know, mm-hmm. you and I are massive action figure collectors. You know, yeah. we're both you and I if if people could see a cutaway of you and I right now, and both of us are sitting in rooms coated in action figures and models, right? Yes. So obviously we want that. If anything, for the sake of economy, because any Dark Shadows figure, if you want to get those figures, are a fortune yeah, uh, right now. Insane. It's and, you really know, expensive. All my Hammer figures, I paid no more than 15 bucks for. Yep. So I'd like to... Um, Dark Shadows is tough because I think I told you about this that you know Dark Shadows is such a mature audience that you know what is germane to them in 2022. Um, like I said earlier, they're doing a, a Kolchak uh novel now, mm-hmm. they're kickstarting a Kolchak novel, and I would like to see that for Dark Shadows. I'd like to see a compilation of Dark Shadows stories written by current horror authors, you know. Oh, that'd be cool, yeah, yeah, not just fanfic, but like. Get some big horror authors or some semi-big horror authors who grew up with it mm-hmm. to write a little story. Stephen about- King is a big Dark Shadows fan. He talks about it in yeah. Dunce Macabre. He has a oh, whole yeah. section devoted to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, in Salem's Lot is is so much, you know, and the story of Jerusalem's Lot. Like if you get it, if you're a Dark Shadows fan, you have to watch Chapel Wait on Epics because that is like Dark Shadows adjacent. I could almost <laughs> right? it has that mood to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same time, same place, you know, it, but it's what the way New England should look. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it's a little goofy with the vampires, but not so much. Uh, and I'd like to see that. I'd like to see some really great stories first so that we could build up the canon. And they did that a lot with Big Finish and with some of the books. But I'd like to see something more organized and more, like, you know, consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, there's definitely a fan base there uh, to work with. Because at the end of the day, you know, Dark Shadows is the grandfather slash grandmother of romantic vampiric horror. You know what I mean? Totally. Yep. And... People love that. People love vampires, love the loss of love. You know what I mean? Dark Shadows is really a story about longing and using supernatural means to try to deal with your longing. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, your loss. Yeah, yeah. and I think that always connects with people. Mm-hmm. And if you give them that feeling of, I want, I want my love back and I'm willing to turn people into monsters to do it. Mm-hmm. That That's why Shakespeare works, you know, hundreds of years later, because that concept is as old as time. It's there's nothing more classic than loving someone and wishing you can move God and the earth and everything else to get them back. Sure. Or to make them love you. And I think that's one of the, you know, dark shadows uses monsters, but it really is about, you know, how we will turn into a monster if we don't get those things back, you know? Yeah. And that's sort of archetypal stories through supernatural characters. Yeah. Right. And at the end of the day, it's all about, I want my love back. Sure. You know, it's funny how a lot of, I I think there isn't enough uh, awareness awareness of the fact that you wouldn't have things like supernatural characters as the protagonists trying to, uh, with with a romantic twist to it, but that that feeling of like things like like Angel or or, uh, Anne Rice was a big Dark Shadows fan with Louis in Interview with the Vampire. That informed, Dark Shadows informed Interview with a Vampire, clearly. I mean- 
big, big time. time. Oh, for sure. The late Anne Rice, you know, she was a Dark Shadows fan. And they even did a storyline like that in Dark Shadows where Willie in parallel time, the parallel time Willie Willie is William H. Loomis, yes. an author who traps Barnabas in his coffin mm-hmm. and tries to write a book, literally is interviewing Barnabas to do right. write a book about it. Like, wow, this is um, but that kind of thing was a massive influence on genre storytelling. You Absolutely. Know? It, it opened so much up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because the, the universal monsters are mythological and they're almost godlike and infallible. Where Dark Shadows, we had to deal with Barnabas wondering what he's having for dinner tonight. <laughs> you know, wondering if he's going to be late for the date that he has with Victoria or just being frustrated with day to day garbage. And it, it put that seed into people's mind where they were like, you know, you look at you and I both love what we do in the shadows. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yes. So and, you know, what we would do in shadows is that concept turned up to 11 where it's yeah. like, you know, what <laughs> does a vampire do on Tuesday afternoon? Yeah. Yeah. You know, but <laughs> they can't just be droll and, you know, <laughs> killing people. You know what I mean? How do they deal with just going in their groceries or something like that? <laughs> Did you watch the, the newest season of that? Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. What what a weird ending that was for that season. <laughs> it was, it was. Once again, it's just like you know, how do we deal with? I love that they had that big fight over who gets to sit in the chair in, yeah. in the vampire parent counts. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's a show where they should reference Barnabas. Like I wish they would yeah. like throw a reference in to Barnabas. Like well, there was a great of- episode. I remember when they were put on trial and yes. they had all the other vampires and they had yes. Blade. Yeah. <laughs> Wesley Snipes through Wesley Snipes. Skypes in. And, and they had um, uh, what's we, uh, Paul Rubens was there. Paul um, Rubens was there from Buffy. original Buffy. Yeah. <laughs> they had the girl from True Blood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, how do they not cut to somebody playing Barnabas? Exactly. Know? Exactly. Yeah. Or they, I wish they would throw, that's, that's what I mean. I'd love to see more like just pop culture awareness of Dark Shadows. Yeah. Like it just feels like it was such a huge thing. And then it's yeah. like, I think now there's yeah. more awareness of it. But I remember when I was in high school and stuff, nobody else no, no seemed to know what, what it was. You know? I think like, like I was saying earlier, you and I, you know, we grew up in a period where it was right after the initial series run. But I think you probably had the same experience I did where you would go to yard sales and flea markets. Oh, yeah. And that was the key time where you'd see like, what is this book? Yeah. And you'd pick up a Marilyn Ross book, you know, and there's a vampire in the cover. And you're like, I want, I don't know why I want this because there's a vampire in the cover. <laughs> shadows, right. Yeah. Or we'd see those postcards. Yeah. And we'd be like, huh, you know, and I'm sitting six inches away from my Barnabas Collins models. Right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. I'd see a, a busted up Barnabas Collins model and I'd be like, huh, what's that about? You yeah. know? Yeah. So like I always said, it was in our ether, like it was around us. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. because we are who we are, we gravitated towards it because that's the stuff we like. We're like, you know, this guy looks spooky. What's this about? Uh, Rick, closing thoughts. What are, what are your clo- hopes for the future of potential Dark Shadows? Well, I, I think now is actually the perfect time to bring back Dark Shadows because we have the perfect modality for Dark Shadows. Online streaming is the perfect modality for Dark Shadows because you don't have to worry about an MPA rating. You don't have to worry about what the overnight ratings are. You have plenty of time to tell the story that you want to tell. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you could give it time to breathe and let it find its audience. Because yep. that's what that the reason why the things that we talked about today that I think they failed to launch was none of them were given time to breathe and find their audience. Mm-hmm. And Dark Shadows needs that because it's yep. looking for very specific people. 
You know, like I said, they're looking for people like us who want to play in that playground. And I think that the Netflix, Amazon Prime uh, modality now affords that. And I think Chapel Way is a perfect example of that and Midnight Mass. You know, those are two projects that would have never gotten off the ground uh, before. And they worked out beautifully in the niche that they're in. And even if Dark Shadows just goes on something like Epics, which is a lower tier streaming service, right? They did a beautiful show on that service. Do you know what I mean? Chapel Way looks gorgeous. And I'd, I'd be happy to watch that show and I would give them my money. And then let people look for the lore. Let people fill in the blanks. Let people make those YouTube videos. You know, I, I've always told you that my dream for the, the remake would to be would be have it like Grey Gardens. When I think of Dark Shadows, I think of Grey Gardens where the show is about, you know, we find Carolyn living with Maggie in Collinwood and the place is a wreck just a wreck. But there's this woman who does this genetic online thing and finds out she's actually related to the Collinses. And she's like this burnt out actress, right? Yeah. So she goes to Colin when just like Jackie Onassis went to Grey Gardens. Yeah. And she's like, we need to fix this place up, you know? Yeah. And they're like, no, this place <laughs> needs to die. Yeah. And she's like, I'm not having it, you know? And her persistence just reignites all of the bad. Perfect. I love it. Reignites all of the bad, you know? And I have this dream that I have this vision in my head of a a main fishing boat, like a lobster boat, and it's pulling traps and it pulls up Barnabas's casket. Oh, cool. And they crack it open and just bats fly out. But the, the thing is that the new series should be partly about, the B story should be about, Barnabas got wrapped in chains and thrown in the ocean sometimes in the late seventies, early eighties. And we don't know why. Yeah. And he doesn't know why. Oh, mystery. And he why wants to happened. find out who the hell did that to him. Yeah. You know, why was he trapped in the ocean for the last 50 years? Yeah. You know, in the main frozen ocean. So that should be like one of the, the background things. Like we're trying to figure that out. You know, and the other one should be about, you know, what was going on at the house? You know, why did they why? Why does Carolyn want all of this to die? And I like that because we could bring back the original actors and actresses because they can tease all the new people because they have all this depth. And the people like us who love it in our heads were like, oh, we know we know what happened. We know what that's all about. (laughs) You know what I mean? And they can allude to things, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of my dream and my hope. You know, but I hey, love like that. I say, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, it'd be Christmas all year round. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love those, I love those ideas. I mean, that's yeah. a, that's a great setup, and it's yeah. a good way to kind of take Barnabas off the chessboard for several decades and bring yeah. him back. Yeah, you know, and also adding a mystery like to it, like why did this happen? Right? How did Colin would get to be this way? You know, there's a lot you can play with with that. Um, yeah. There are, I, always, I ask this to a lot of my guests, especially horror fans. Dark Shadows was known for incorporating a lot of classic horror tales or terror tales into the mix of the stories. Yeah. Is there any classic horror story or monster or kind of horror archetype that you would have liked to have seen used in Dark Shadows or that could still work if they do a new Dark Shadows? Well, being a Lovecraft fan and a New England guy, you know, obviously Shadow of Rinsmith is a big one. Oh, the deep ones. Yeah, yeah, the, the deep ones. Yeah, and I, yeah, that would tie into my whole thing with Barnabas being chucked into the Atlantic. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, is is there an island off the coast of Collinsport where these strange people have been living? Uh-huh. You know, these strange fish people have been living all this time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, you know, are the Collins family being abducted by this weird cult of people living out there? Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of like that. That's where I'd kind of like to go. Mm-hmm. Um, Shadow of Innsmouth, uh, Herbert West reanimator, but that's kind of a, you know, Adam story as it is. Mm-hmm. A- Adam is almost to me more reanimator than he is Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at how those stories are set up. But yeah, there's a lot. There's so many things that they could go into. Yeah. I mean, as far as cla- you've talked about the mummy, I mm-hmm. think that's a perfect one because you tie in Boston, you tie in museums. Yeah. Someone's yeah. donating a sarcophagus to the museum in Maine, you know what I mean? And yeah. it kicks off a big thing or have somebody in the college fame because there's big tracks of history that we're missing here in sure. Collinwood. You know, yeah. Yeah, I remember the 1920s and 30s, that was the age of people, rich people going to Egypt and, and doing the reading and climbing Mount Everest and doing all this other stuff. You know, yeah. another thing that, that Dark Shadows has never done, it's never done winter. No, it's true. Yeah, they know you never see snow in Collinsport, which hey, in Maine, it'd be ew, nine ew, months a Maine. year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, nine months a year. Yeah, and, and you, you have the uh, uh, the Native American monster there. Oh my god! Oh, the Wendigo. Strong. The Wendigo. Yeah, that. You know cool. what I mean? Yeah. Sure. The Wendigo has a has a time and a place for that. Uh-huh. Uh, we haven't touched any Native American stuff in, in mm-hmm. Dark Shadows, and as you and I both said, Native American folklore is a big part of New England. Yes, you know, yep. we're not just witches and other things, you know, and vampires. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of a Native American folklore, and Dark Shadows never touched that. Yeah. We don't know what the Collins family did during the period of spiritualism. What what happened then? What you know? Who in the family did something then? We don't know what they did during the Atomic Age. What did, what were they like during World War II and right after World War? II? Sure. Sure. Yeah, that'd be you fascinating. Know? And young, young Elizabeth and Roger, you know, yeah. uh, that would be fun, fun to see for sure. Well, I, I, was Elizabeth and Roger's parents, you know, these these scientists that created some sort of mutation <laughs> during the atomic yeah. age? You know, we yeah. don't know. So there's, there's so much fun to be had, you know, it, mm-hmm. There's no end. There's no end. And that's the beauty of Dark Shadows and why we love it is that it's so, so much to work with. You can just pull in all this great stuff and just yeah. reimagine it for that universe. You know, that's yeah. part of the fun of Dark Shadows. Shadow of Innsmouth would be interesting. I remember I got shouted down one time. I was like on some message board. I might have been the classic horror film board where I put out the theory. I was like, what if the creature from the Black Lagoon is a deep one? And right. Some people are like, oh, that would be interesting. Some people are like, no, absolutely not. Yeah, I think it's probably more of like a cryptid that's more than anything else because like if you right. look at the other universal monsters they're all kind of either the supernatural or disfigured or whatever but the yeah. creature is like what is the creature he's kind of he's kind of a cryptid that's why i don't think well, you know john i don't know if i tell you this story you know uh, when i went to see john landis and his son max right mm-hmm. max landis told a story about when he asked his dad because his dad had done a vampire had done innocent blood the vampire movie he said, well, and he, of course, he did American Werewolf in London, which is, you know, one of the biggest werewolf movies ever. Sure. He said, Dad, how do you kill a vampire? And John Landis said, you know how you kill him, son? Any way you want, because vampires aren't real. <laughs> right. So do you know about the creature of Black Lagoon? Is he from Minsmith? He can be. You know why? Because the creature not of real. Black Lagoon is not real. Exactly. And that's He's the not. He is. I thought he was real. And that's the beauty <laughs> of what we could do with Dark Shadows is that we have that leverage because none of this stuff is real. Yeah. I guess that you explains know? why in uh, American Werewolf in London, he did all the werewolf lore except for the silver bullet at the end. Yeah. I'm like, because yeah. they use regular, don't they use regular bullets on the they werewolf? Do, yeah. right? I was like, why did he did everything else? He did the full moon. He did the pentagram. Yeah. He did all of that. But then 
he did regular bullets. And right. that, must, that must have been his way of, of saying that, I guess. In, yeah. But uh, awesome, Rick. Well, well, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Oh, my God. It was it was really fun geeking out with you and uh, and talking about Dark Shadows and our shared love of spooky stuff. What are you are you working on anything right now, um, film wise? Or I, I I just put in for a sabbatical to do. I want to do a documentary by Edgar Allan Poe in Providence. Oh, nice, yeah. Uh, you know, Edgar Allan Poe had a very torrid love affair in Providence and got engaged and divorced, engaged and broken up in Providence. And I, I want to do something about that. Yeah, uh, because the look Poe and Lovecraft literally were walking the same streets, you know, fifty years apart. You know, so there's there's something about Benefit Street and you've been there yeah. about that Benefit Street, College Hill area that is literally the heart of American. Horror. See, it was date of uh, Sarah Whitman. It was was it yeah, Sarah, Sarah, Whitman. Sarah yeah. Whitman, the poet. poet. Yeah. 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 And Poe was born in Boston, which a lot of people don't know. I tell my students that and they they all think he's from Baltimore. Right. Uh, and it's like, no, Poe is he was born in Bo- Poe in Boston. Of course, there was a very adversarial kind of relationship between yeah. Poe and Boston. But I'm glad Boston finally acknowledged the fact that Poe was born there by putting yeah. that that statue of him on, on the pavement. And then, of course, he kept coming back here. Yeah, he came yes. to Providence and stuff, like you said, you know, uh, but that's awesome. I, I look forward to, to yeah. seeing that document. I mean, Rhode Island, it, Rhode Island has so much background in Dark Shadows, that Dark Shadows, even like a <laughs> lot of hardcore Dark Shadows fans, I don't think get under like realize like how important Rhode Island is. Yeah. Dark shadows. It's like Collinwood is in Rhode Island. It know? is Newport. It's in Sea View Terrace is in Newport, Rhode Island. And yeah. I always get a kick out of it. They reference in the original show, they reference New Bedford a yep. couple of times. They reference Fall River. And this is Massachusetts, but we're in southeastern Massachusetts, which is pretty close to Rhode Island. Yep. They yep. they they every time they toss one of those names out, I'm like, oh my God, that's yep. weird. that's weird. I, I, I proposed to my first wife on the rocks in the opening credits. No <laughs> way. Really? That's I took awesome. her out to the rocks over there in, in Newport. So it's, <laughs> so it's always a little funny when I see the opening credits. Yeah. <laughs> well, that didn't work out for me. It's just like it didn't work out. Uh, oh. That's why I wish like, like more Dark Shadows fans came down and took a look at that part of Newport because it does have that romance and that Yankee feeling that Dark Shadows should have. Like mm. that look is there that grass that's been blown for hundreds of years uh, across the water and stuff like that. And all those Newport houses on, you know, steep Hills and things like that. Mm-hmm. It, it, it would give you more of a, a feel. Like I, I, I said, I love dark shadows also be, because of the feel that it gives me. And I think mm-hmm. that's what it needs to have to make it work again. Yeah. It has to have that tone that drags people in. I agree. Absolutely. Definitely has. And that tone should not be Barnabas brushing his fangs in the mirror with no reflection. (laughs) Northern California, Barnabas with a tan. (laughs) No, no. Anyway, Rick, well, thank you so much for sitting down with me and uh, and talking about Dark Shadows. Mm -hmm. Folks, thank you for listening. Please do subscribe to the podcast. Please do like the podcast if you listen to it on YouTube and share it with your friends. Uh, Get the word out. If you have friends who like Dark Shadows or like classic horror or spooky stuff in general, uh, you know, hip them to the podcast. Uh, They might just enjoy it. Uh, This is about keeping Dark Shadows alive or undead, so to speak, keeping it going. And uh, thank you very much for listening. And for as long as they lived, the Dark Shadows never truly dissipated, for there will always be terror 
at Collinwood. Terror at Collinwood is a Penny Dreadful production.